1: the wilderness experience but Christ says come out of the wilderness come to the other side of the Jordan come into the abundant life this group of people these two and a half tribes stayed on that side the world surrounded them and they started to take part in the world and you know what that does pretty soon there was compromise after compromise they didn't go out and defeat their enemies that were around them
0: Have you been fearfully hanging on to the comforts of this life, afraid to step out in faith and follow Christ with your whole heart? As Pastor Dave will warn us in today's message, just as the tribes that hesitated at the border of the promised land did, we'll miss out if we aren't willing to take that step and trust in Him. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua chapter 12 as he begins his message, Accomplishments of God.
1: In the book of Joshua, our theme is the victorious Christian, Joshua 12, real interesting chapter. I don't know how many of you read ahead, but you're probably scratching your heads right now going, all right, okay. This section of scripture that we're getting ready to go into is basically a narrative and it recounts all the territories and the kings that were conquered by the Israelites during the conquest of Canaan. We see a list of names and we see a list of territories, places that have names that are hard to pronounce, and the entire passage is hard to understand. Some have even called this passage an interlude, kind of a between two phases of the book. But because there is this great temptation to overlook this section and move on to other exciting passages, we have to be careful. But if we did that, we would miss out on what the Lord might say to us here in these words. Because every parcel of this book we call our Bible is the inerrant word of God. Everything is in there for a purpose. Everything is in there for a reason. And we need to read from it and glean from it that which we can, even when we come across a list of names that are hard to pronounce. But we need to look at that. It to be easy to slide right over that, as we do often. Someone said, the greatest treasures hidden in God's words are not lying on the surface for us to lightly and easily pick up. I kind of like that. Sometimes we need to look a little bit. We need to dig a little within them. So as we read through this section, and if you've read it, being a good student before you got here, you found it probably to be a bit tedious. Why do you think it was tedious? Well, I can tell you one reason why I think you thought it was tedious. It's not your land. You didn't inherit any part of this. If we were to give you a history of America, you might be somewhat interested because it is America. If we were to give you a history of South Jersey, you might get more interested. If we were to give you a history of Lower Township, your interest may be even greater because it's where we live. So... We need to look at it, but when we read these passages, we're given a history lesson. One thing I like about this, and one of the reasons why I'm, I'm hanging on this is because as we read about these events, we are reading about real people. We are reading about real events that took place in a time long ago, and I think it's important that we look at that, but the main theme of today's message, the main theme that I drew out of chapter 12, is reflecting on the accomplishments of God. Looking at what God has done through the nation Israel, and then then trying to apply that to our lives. Because as we study the Word of God, if we cannot apply it to our lives, then we're studying in vain. We need to take the Word of God, and we need to apply it to our lives, to see if there is something in there that we can learn from. Maybe there's a sin we need to repent of. Maybe there's something that we need to do. I don't know, but we need to take the Word of God for as it is the Word of God. And it's always wanting to accomplish a purpose in our lives. The Word of God was written so that it might accomplish a purpose in our lives, mainly salvation mainly to introduce us to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But in that, then, it tells us how we might live, how we might walk, and how we might have the abundant life, which is what the victorious Christian wants, which is what the victorious Christian has through Jesus Christ. As the victorious Christian, we also have a victory. That might sound tedious to others. But our history also happened in a real place, in a real time, in our lives. And from time to time, we should reflect upon that as well. I call it our testimony. I call it our testimony. And I think we should have two testimonies. One that's about five minutes long, you know, the short version, the Reader's Digest version. And then one that's the full testimony that you might be asked to give sometime. And that you might be able to show people what the Lord did in your life, how he obtained you, how he apprehended you, how the hound of heaven stalked you down and and won you over. I think it's important that we look back and reflect upon those things. We should reflect at the times for ourselves, and we should give thanks to the Lord for his accomplishment in our lives. We should always remember with joy his faithfulness to us. He's been more than faithful to us in our lives, more than faithful. And once again, as we do this, like the memorial stones that we talked about earlier in Joshua, we draw a parallel to communion. The Lord said, when you do this, when you take the bread, when you take the cup, remember me. The accomplishment that I did on a cross for you, remember that glean from that. What do you need to do? Well, we look at that, and here at Calvary Chapel, we recite various scriptures, we recall what he did, we repent if we have to, if there's sin in our lives, if we want to get rid of it, what a better time to repent than at communion. We remember his sacrifice, and it helps us. It helps us to do that. And we see this parallel One commentator said this, that sometimes in the course of our human experience, it is good to sit down and reflect in what has been conquered by the grace of God in our lives. What has God conquered in our lives by his grace? Paul made it really clear, and I love this by the Apostle Paul. He simply said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Something happened in the Apostle Paul's life. It is written for us to read in the book of Acts, and we can read it. That's his testimony. And every time you read it, whether he's giving it to Festus, or whether he's giving it to King Agrippa or whomever will listen, Paul is recounting his testimony, what God did in his life. But there's a caution. I want to make a caution here. When we remember the things that God has done in our lives, when we remember the things that the Lord has done with our lives, we cannot do this boastfully. We cannot do it in a boastful fashion. We must do it with a humble and a grateful heart. How many of you remember the old song, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart? We used to sing that, give thanks with a grateful heart. We are to give thanks for the grateful heart for receiving something that none of us deserved. None of us deserved God's grace. None of us deserved God's mercy. And we are to look upon the years that have passed and recall the time God's miraculous grace has been victorious in our lives. And we have been blessed beyond belief to see these things. And as we gather on Sunday nights and we pray, we're seeing that grace poured out in so many different ways. We're seeing people healed. We're seeing people touched. We're seeing lives changed all by the grace of God. So as we read through this chapter, I want you to take note of just how much land actually was given to the Israelites compared to how much land they now occupy. I mean, they occupy less than a third of what they were given, far less. So we're going to read through the chapter, and I'm going to mispronounce every name I can possibly mispronounce, but we're going to read through this chapter, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. Let's read the first six verses. Chapter 12, verse 1 through 6. These are the kings of the land whom the children of Israel defeated, and whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan, toward the rising of the sun, from the river Arnon to Mount Hermon, and all the eastern Jordan plain. One king was Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon and ruled half of Gilead. From Aroer, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of that river, even as far as the river Jabuk, which is on the border of the Ammonites, and the eastern Jordan plain from the Sea of Chinneroth, as far as the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, the road to Beth Jezimoth, and southward below the slopes of Pishka. The other king was Og, king of Bashan, and his territory, who was of the remnant of the giants who dwelt at Aseroth and at Erdorei, and reigned over Mount Hermon, over Salka, over all Bashan, as far as the border of the Gezerites and the Makkahakalites, and over half of Gilead, to the border of Shion, king of Heshbon. These Moses is the servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel had conquered, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given it as a possession to the Rumanites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. So we read about these victories that took place on the other side of the Jordan. These were wilderness victories. These were wilderness victories. And these battles, can you you can read because they're recorded for us, specifically in Numbers 21, verses 21 through 35. We're not going to go there, but you can read about them. You can read about them. This land was given as an inheritance to the two and a half tribes that wanted to stay on the other side of the river. Remember, we discussed them. Gad, Reuben, and half of Manasseh. Who was Manasseh? He was one of Joseph's sons. Manasseh was one of Joseph's sons. It was their desire to live on that side of the Jordan. Remember, They made a covenant with Joshua to help conquer the land with their brothers, and then they would return to this land that was given to them by Moses. A little bit of an aside here, very sad that these two-and-a-half tribes that settled on the other part of the Jordan, on the other side of the Jordan, didn't take much part in the life of the nation Israel. And they soon lost their inheritance It appears that they were absorbed by the nations that surrounded them that they were supposed to have conquered. But they chose to stay in the wilderness side of Jordan instead of entering into the new abundant life in the promised land. It was their choice. So many times we stay in the wilderness. So many times we find ourselves in the wilderness experience and we're trapped there or we choose to stay there. And I've told you the story about being in the wilderness and writing your name on a cactus. And a couple of years later, you come by the same cactus and your name is up here because the cactus had grown. But you're still in the wilderness. And I think there's a couple of reasons why we're in the wilderness. Number one, we don't give ourselves completely and submit ourselves completely to Jesus Christ. We don't allow him to take us into the promised land. We don't allow him by his Holy Spirit to lift us up and carry us in there. We don't rest on what he has given us. And quite frankly, I think some of us like the wilderness. I think some of us are very comfortable in the wilderness. Because when I'm in the wilderness, I get a lot of attention. And we like the attention. Poor Dave. He's having such a hard time. Yeah, he's been having a hard time now for the last six years. Some of us like the wilderness experience, but Christ says, come out of the wilderness. Come to the other side of the Jordan. Come into the abundant life. This group of people, these two and a half tribes stayed on that side. The world surrounded them and they started to take part in the world. And you know what that does. Pretty soon there was compromise after compromise. They didn't go out and defeat their enemies that were around them. And then look what happened. It's a very, very sad situation. But it's interesting because the land that was given to them was given to them by Moses. And what did Moses represent? Come on, students. The law. Moses represented the law. They were set up for failure because the law will always fail to bring you into the abundant life. The law will always fail. Because under the law, what do we do? We try, and we try, and we try, and we use our own resources to do the things of God. And we always fail. Under the law, you will never be good enough. You will never do enough. You will always fall short of God's mark under that law. Under the law, you cannot hold the deepest blessings of the spiritual life because you're trying to hold on to them in your flesh. You're not trying to hold on to them by the Holy Spirit. You're trying to hold on to them in your own strength. And hence, you set yourself up for failure. And this is what I see of these two and a half tribes. They chose to stay into the law. They chose to stay on that side. It's a sad thing. See, the spiritual blessings that we have have been given to us by Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ can only be ours as we fellowship with him in oneness. Our inheritance is found in Jesus Christ by faith and faith alone. Wanna learn more about that? You can look at Ephesians 1. I'm sure that Bill is teaching that through that. The spiritual blessings that we have in Ephesians 1 thing. All spiritual blessings have been given to us in Christ Jesus. That's where the spiritual blessings are. That's where the abundant life is. In Christ. Oh, if we would only learn this lesson and stop attempting to enter the abundant life on our own effort. We must rest. We must rest in the completed work on the cross. That work which was completed by Jesus Christ. We have to rest in that work. And it's so hard to do. The Apostle Paul, speaking to them, says, I've done more than them all. What did he mean? Probably he meant he did more than, evangelism did more for the cause of christianity did more for the cause of christ than any other of the apostles than any other of the 120 that day in the upper room but then he says but not i but the grace of god that dwells in me he was resting on the work of jesus christ on the cross that alone Man, you see somebody resting in that, and you're going, whoa, look what they're doing. Look at the work that they're doing. And they'll always say, it's not me, brother. It's the Lord. I'm resting in God's grace. That's where the abundant life is. You've got to go there to get to the abundant life, because that's where the abundant life is. Wish we would learn this lesson. The completed work of Jesus on the cross. Let's go from 7 to 24. And these are the king's of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on the side of the Jordan on the west from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon, as far as Mount Halak, to the ascent of Seir, which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions. In the mountain country, in the lowlands, in the Jordan plain, in the slopes in the wilderness, and in the south, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The king of Jericho, one. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jarmuth, one. The king of Lakish one. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Gazer one. The king of Debir, one. The king of Gador, one. The king of Hormath, one. The king of Arad, one. The king of Libna, one. The king of Adullam, one. The king of Makada 1 The king of Bethel 1 The king of Tapua 1 The king of Hephzer 1 The king of Ashhek 1 The king of LaSheron 1 The king of Madon 1 The king of Hazor 1 The king of Shimron Meron 1 The king of Ashfa, 1 The king of Tekanak, 1 The king of Megiddo 1 The king of Kadesh won, the king of Jochdaum and Carmel won, the king of Dor in the heights of Dor won, the king of the people of Gilgal won, the king of Tirzah won, all the kings, thirty-one. Thirty-one. This is the land that was conquered by Joshua after they crossed the river Jordan that we have read about. You can read for yourself that they defeated thirty-one kings who were very, very powerful men. Each one of them was subdued by our Lord. Each one of them was subdued. Beautiful picture here of resting in the Lord. I love this. Let's read 13.1. Now Joshua was old, advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, you are old, advanced in years. And there remains very much land yet to be possessed. It's believed that Joshua now is some 90 years old. He's about 90 years old, and in some of the translations it says he was stricken in years. He was stricken in years. Doesn't necessarily mean that he was old, but it's talking about a feebleness that sometimes accompanies old age. It's a, it's a feebleness. The Lord told him that there was still much land to be taken care of. My point here is, although they could reflect on the past accomplishments of the Lord, they could not rest on those achievements. Let me repeat that. Although Israel could reflect on what the Lord had accomplished for them, they could not rest on those achievements. Now, you know where I'm going, Christian. The Lord has done mighty, mighty works in our lives. We can't rest on those works because the Lord still has mighty, mighty works to do. And for some unknown reason, he's chosen us to do it in. So we need to ever be thinking of that. The Lord told Joshua there's still much land to be conquered. Still much land. They could not rest on their achievement. That if they did, God's purpose for the nation would never be realized. And this is exactly what happened. They rested on their accomplishments. Because what was going to happen now, Joshua was going to give the land out. He going to give the land out as inheritance to the rest of the tribes. And it was up to each tribe then to conquer and possess what was in their territory. Because there were still inhabitants in the land. Else why would the Lord say, there's still a lot of work to be done. Still a lot of land to be conquered. As far as we have come, Christian... As far as we've come in our victorious life, there's still a lot of work to be done. There's still a lot of things to be conquered in our own lives. There's still a lot of places that we need to have submitted to the Lord and given to the Lord. No matter how much we've done or how much the Lord has done in our lives, there's still a lot of work to do. We should never sit back and relax as a Christian. We should never be satisfied with what God has given us to the point where we don't want any more. Now you've heard me say before, if God wants me to have it, by golly, I want it. I want When it comes to God, I'm greedy. I want everything He wants for me. That's the way the Christians should be. We should want all of our, our Father, all of our Jesus. We should want all. There's a great lesson here. As victorious Christians, there are still battles to fight. Some of us who are advanced in years, maybe not as many battles as some of you who are younger in years. But there are still battles to be fought. We must face them. We must allow the Lord to fight those battles and be victorious in those battles as he has in the other battles in our lives, as he already has in the most victorious battle when it was all defeated on the cross. You are sure.
0: Joshua 1.9 reminds you to be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What encouragement that is. God is with you wherever you go, in whatever you do. Just as He was with His people, the Israelites, on their journey into the Promised Land, He went before them to make a way, orchestrating impossible situations to His glory. When you face the unknown, have courage. There's no need to fear the future. God is going before you as well. Trust in His faithfulness. Here at Assure Hope, we want you to know that we're praying for you. Is there anything specific we could be lifting up before the Lord? Please give us a call at 609-884-5821. We'd also like to invite you to get involved in a church community to help fuel your passion for Jesus and support you on this journey. If you're in the Cape May, New Jersey area, why not come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May? We'd love to have you join us for our time of fellowship, worship, and Bible study with Pastor Dave. We gather together every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. You'll find our address and driving directions by visiting our website at assurehoperadio.com or by giving us a call at 609-884-5821. We are so glad you tuned in today. May God bless you today and always. Pastor Dave will continue walking verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Joshua when you join us next time here on Assure Hope.